What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Never Made Varsity. My name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. And hello once again. It's your boy Maverick. You can find me on social media at Heartbreak underscore underscore kid. But I'm considering Honestly. a new at. I'm considering new at options. We'll talk about that after we uh, intro our guests uh, with course. the best Twitter handle uh, I have seen in a very long time. I enjoy it every time. It pops up in the Never Made Varsity uh, at mentions at Leave It To Me, Ryan James Lee, Class of 2015, Marching to Our Heel. How's it going? It's going pretty well, guys. Yeah, good to see you. Great to see you again, Ryan. <laughs> Always good to be in good uh, Marching to Our Heel company. So. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, it's been like, at least for me, like eight a few years, Seven, probably, eight yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mav. You're changing gear. You're changing heart. I like Heartbreak Kid. I don't know. I feel like for someone that doesn't know it's a wrestling reference, I feel like it. Ha- the term Heartbreak Kid might have some negative connotations. What uh, about a Heartthrob Kid? Heartthrob. Like, I, w- I was thinking like Heart Attack Heel, but with my last name. Um, heart attack heel i like that yeah that's, that's actually pretty dope <laughs> something like that we'll see or mav underscore the underscore kid that would also work something i don't like know work. like i said to be determined i tried the brand change and it didn't go very well uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just ran straight back to colby complaints but that's fine um all right, let's get into it. Uh, we're still kind of in recovery mode from getting blitzed by Duke a couple uh, a week ago, week and a half ago, as we're recording. Um, it's hard to get that game out of at least my head. Um, it's kind of like being a Panthers fan and watching the Super Bowl in the playoffs, where you just kind of realizing how far away you are. Uh, Ryan, you said you had some some follow up questions. I'd love to hear them. Uh, well, one of the follow-up questions was about roster makeup, comparing Duke's recent rosters to ours. I guess the question I had was, would you guys prefer more of that Duke Kentucky roster makeup where you get the three or four or five freshmen that come in? Or would you prefer more of a traditional recent UNC lineup where you where you have the couple players each year that stay? You might have one, one and done, but... Yeah, you keep some of the guys and develop them. Mav, I have an answer. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I think more of like the... Hmm. Closer to like the Texas Tech sort of model where you just have... You are constantly, every single year, you somehow have six seniors. (laughs) That's what what I would love. Um, Because I like winning. Uh, And winning tends to... Seniors tend to help you win, especially at the Power 5 level. Uh, We have seen Notre Dame do that this year, where somehow Prentice Hub still has another year of eligibility after this year. I'm not sure how he's doing that. But that's the sort of roster that I want. It's... More akin to the basketball or the college basketball that I'm used to that I got growing up where you're with these dudes for a while. And I like I totally understand why they would leave. I mean, I would, too. But it's a little bit nostalgic. And when you go back and like whenever the ACC, I was about to say ESPN Classic, like I'm 45 years old, like when ACC Network, uh, like they show reruns from like the like the mid 2000s you can tell 
the basketball was just better at the college level back then um, because the players were better, because the players are older, because they stuck around longer. Like, I don't think it's there's a conversation that the product has suffered because of the one-and-done era. But I don't know. Matt, what do you think? I, I do think it's a good question. I think it's it's one difficult to answer. I mean, naturally, I would go towards the, the 2017 makeup, which was primarily a senior leadership team uh, with and also a mixture of players that were sophomores and juniors that developed well. Um, under the assumption that there would be player development, that there that they would be real four, three- and four-year guys, I would take that model. But time and time again, we've just seen what Duke and Kentucky's done where they're just getting reloading every year with guys, and they can be first-year students, and they're outplaying senior-level players, um, at least for 90% of the season. Whether they win a championship or not, that could be another debate. Um, and so it, it creates a balance trying to – on the other side, if you do get those guys, your four-year guys, if they don't develop, then I, I don't know if I would go that way anymore. Um, it's, yeah. it's just so different. But it's kind of weird where how the landscape has changed because Carolina was what Duke and Kentucky is right now, but they were doing it with three- and four-year players, whereas now they're just getting good teams year after year after year but completely new people. So would you do you want to have fun and have the wow factor with your team Send guys to the league, um, possibly may, might falter on the way to a championship, but uh, by all means, we're an exciting team to watch. Or do you want to be the guys that you grow the attachment to? That you know the guys that become legends in a place like Carolina, uh, potentially can bring home a championship. Things like that. So I think there's definitely pros and cons, honestly, to both. So I I think probably the best answer is somewhere in the middle, a mixture of senior leadership and one of the one or two five-star players that can tip a scale and move the needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's... But the thing is, when you get one five-star, I'm about to commit sacrilege, but... I do think recruiting momentum is real. Like, I, I absolutely think that's a real thing. When you get one five-star, more are going to want to come. I think we're seeing that with uh, Carolina football, maybe not quite five-star. But, you know, when – I mean, we got we got a couple five-stars, but not, you know, at the level of a, of an Alabama or Georgia or uh, Texas A&M, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> which I'm so excited to talk about when football, when football season comes back around. Um but yeah, I I think that wow, I totally lost my train of thought with that tangent. It's been a weird day for me, y'all. I'm just gonna leave that there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think I agree with you guys where it's fun to watch players develop, and and you know, it's nice to see those relationships between the coaches develop. And you know, when a guy's there for one year, they don't really appreciate all the rivalries as much as a player that's been there for three or four years and has a history with the guys on the other side of the court. But you know, recently we've had a couple players leave for transfers. When you have those one-and-done players that are good enough that go early, that necessarily might not be great that first year, but have the potential. You know, then you're left with a bunch of talent holes on the roster, which is kind of what we've been suffering through the last few years. We've had a couple one-and-dones that 
didn't help us win championships, but we're still good enough to get drafted. And and then a couple big time transfers. Boy, it would be great to have Kessler on the team this year, but <laughs> you know, yeah, we can't uh, we can't have all our wildest dreams come true every year. So, yeah. but I, I think it's also interesting, and I truly believe this. I think it's also hurting the NBA a little bit that it does sometimes take a couple years for these for these one and done players to actually turn into legitimate uh you know rotation or or star players. I think that there is a room somewhere for some development. But, you know, me me saying that, that's also with the knowledge that you know, unless this rumored lawsuit that I don't think is actually going to do anything that um or this complaint uh where players want to be seen as employees of the of the universities that they go to that they play for. Um like I can't in good conscience say that like I want them to to stay and like earn that losing potential, but even though it's hurting the product on the court. I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. question. Mav, go ahead. One thing I've considered, like, because the G League is slowly kind of starting to inch its way in as a as a possible alternative. And like I said, maybe that's like the avenue that your five stars take, your bona fide rate, five-star rated players that regard, they, they could honestly be put on any team in the country college-wise, and they're going to get drafted the, the next year. Uh, get let them go to the G League then, and and actually play with other NBA level talent then, and get some development that way, and try to at least encourage more of the three and four year guys to go at the college level, and then they can always bump up to that kind where, of intermediate level or get dra- drafted. Where do you think they can make more money now that NIL is a is a real thing? Oh, the G League. Don't, don't I think they'll make more money in, like the, for the vast majority of yeah. the of the players that we're talking about is going to be the G League. Yeah, top yeah. five or ten, maybe. So, I mean, yeah. it's only like th- what's like thirty five, yeah. forty thousand dollars salary for G League. It's higher than that now. It is okay. Yeah, they they've bumped it up in, in recent years to try to be okay. a, a more attractive option. Yeah. I know a couple of the players got like million dollar contracts to play for what's the one of Ignite. the teams in the league? Yeah, the yeah. Ignite. Ignite. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so the, there's legit money making opportunity there. Um, yeah, there's legit money making opportunity there. I honestly, I wouldn't be upset if you know Carolina got a one and done that really loved Carolina. Like, I feel like we got that with Kobe White, where you could tell he loved being in that uniform. We also weren't expecting him, you know, to, <laughs> to be here for one year and then leave. But I, I think it was really cool to see a player that's just like super jazzed to play for Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think Donchez is, is that guy now. Um, but it, it's it's nice to see that that passion that, you know, would, to I think partly the NBA, partly the NCAA's own doing is losing that sort of passion. Yeah. Going back to your kind of initial question, like what type of team you want, I kind of go back the last couple of years and, and kind of try to compare. Last year, Duke was the worst team they had in, in several years. Didn't make the tournament. Uh, albeit you could argue because of COVID or anything, but they, they did not have a good team. And we swept them, beat them by 20-plus both games. Um, but let's go now. We're 
right in their shoes, at least in terms of the head-to-head. I think we might have a better ceiling than Duke's team last year did. But who do you think felt more, uh, who had a better, who had were in better spirits about their future? Duke's team, knowing that they were just going to keep reloading with five stars, or us, just hoping our guys would develop and, and step up. Yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, if we landed the, uh, the the recruit whose name may or may not be spoken on this podcast, we can then... we can talk about whoever we <laughs> want. Like, like we can say whatever we want. We are not affiliated with the. University. I think uh, if G. G. Jackson committed, <laughs> my my spirits about next year would be much higher. You know, if you like, you said if you get multiple five star players, then another one might want to come join. So. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, he's the number one player, rated player on Rivals. You know, Simeon Wilcher's like a top top 10, top 15 guy. So we might have a recruiting class right up there next to Dukes. Maybe not the seven footers, but uh, if you can get a guy like Jackson to commit, you only need one or two more. And then. And going back to Colby's thing, recruiting momentum. Yep. Yeah. It's the thing. Like I said, we so- just have to get it back going. Um, we're just trying to get to that point. One thing that I've been thinking about somewhat noticing uh when it comes to i'm not speaking specifically about Gigi jackson but we have heard this from his camp i hate saying that but like from his people um i don't think head-to-head matchups mean as much to recruits as fans think it does i really don't think it matters that much um as far as where they want to go because at the end of the day and this is more of like a personal philosophy that i've adopted in recent years um people are going to do what they want to do like if, if if someone wants to go to kentucky and they go to a kentucky game and they're playing i don't know auburn and auburn just beats the brakes off of them they aren't going to just not go to Kentucky anymore. Like they're going to do what they want to do. So I don't know. Also, when you think think about the fact that people might not even be on that team by the time you're there, especially for someone like Gigi, half this team's not going to be there. So how can you evaluate the future based upon folks that won't even be there when you're there? There's that. I think it's, it's more so in football than it is basketball, admittedly, but I don't know. Just Um, an observation. Like one thing I, I I don't, do y'all listen to the player and the fan with David Noel and Kira Luck? I, I've caught clips, but I don't listen religiously. Um, I catch it whenever I, the, the notifications come up for it when they post. So David put up a story um, on their most recent pod um, of after 2010, after the NIT year, um, how much they were struggling. And who did we get in the next draft or in the next class? Harrison Barnes. Kendall Marshall, right? Oh, Harrison uh, Barnes. Harrison Barnes, the number one recruit in the country, picks yeah. us over Duke despite them beating us uh, that the, the year prior. And David Noel uh, saw him over summer camps, asked him like um, about his plans or whatnot, and he's like, I'm here to uh, get past the BS that happened last year and get this thing back on track. And so we need that, whoever comes to Carolina, to be like, I'm here to put us back on the map, and or not even back on the map, but put us back in a good direction that Carolina has been for all the years prior. That was um, a great recruiting class, by the way. Reggie Bullock, uh, Harrison Farns, and Kendall Marshall. That was a great class. That McDonald's think, All-American uh, interview with Reggie Bullock is legendary. It might have been my sophomore or, or 
Yeah, it was their sophomore year, my freshman year. We had seven first-round draft picks on that team. Tyler Zeller, Harrison – was Zeller a first-round pick? I think he might have been. Yeah, Harrison went seven. Harrison Barnes, um, Reggie Bullock. P, I think PJ might have been on that team. He got picked in the in the draft. There's just so many dudes on that team, and nothing came of it, but <laughs> it was a fun team to watch for I mean, sure. HB's carved out quite a career for himself. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, trophy he, wise, trophy wise. I think other than Michael, I think he's one of the highest paid Tar Heel players in the NBA. Yeah, he's found himself a role. Also, um. I've played basketball against PJ Harrison before. Uh, <laughs> I was also a child. I was a small child. <laughs> Him and Will Graves, actually, uh, speaking of um, unfortunately, unfortunate Dudley alums that played for, <laughs> for Carolina. Um, wow, Dudley basketball has fallen off recently, by the way. Um, let's talk about NIL. Uh Ryan, you had uh, you brought up an interesting point, and I've been since you said it, it's been like dancing around my head. So I want to I want to talk this out. So um, on last week's podcast, you guys were talking about roster management and scholarship limits, and you know I think I was doing the math, and since Shaver is technically on scholarship now, we only need three more correct available scholarships. Um, you know, we you guys had mentioned we only have the one guaranteed player leaving in uh, Brady Manic, he can't come back. So there's two other spots you gotta weasel your way into or out of somehow, unless you have players potentially pay for their school with NIL money. I don't think that's the way it should be, but if you can bring in another four or five star guy that helps you try and win a championship and have an extra scholarship caliber player on the roster, I, I would just be interested to see if that ever happens anywhere uh, in the future where they're making enough money in endorsement deals where they can give the scholarship to somebody else and add another quality player to the roster, uh, another body to the rotation. That's a super interesting thought, and I love thinking about this. I also love that this is turning into an episode of Split Zone Duo, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> it's a great show, and everyone should listen to it. I think that the timelines will have to, would have to line up in order for that to happen. Um, there might have to be some tampering that happens um, in order for that to happen, because it's not going to be a four or five star that that. That's not going to no. It's going to be someone towards the towards the end of the bench where where that sort of deal is is struck. Um, but I think it's an interesting idea. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I think at that point, and the Carolina Insider mentioned it on the most recent episode, but in a different sort of context. Uh, what makes it a little bit squirrely for basketball is just because there's only five players that can be on the court at a time. Like at some point someone's going to want playing time and they're just going to go somewhere else in this era of, um, of basic, basically free agency. I should not play with my Funko pops while I do a podcast. <laughs> basically, uh, we should, uh, basically you, you, they're going to leave to go play, somewhere else with for with more time now on a football roster where you know you're you're a freshman and you're probably not going to see the field um and 
listen, Ed Ogeron tried to get um was it Reggie Bush's dad? No, Adrian Peterson's dad. Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson's dad <laughs> transferred to um transferred to a different uh penal facility um in, in, as part of his recruiting process. Weirder things have happened in college sports. I wouldn't put it past anything, but I think it's a very interesting thought. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely think it could play a bigger factor in football, but just as you said, I, I think I don't see it playing a factor with you making like a 13-man super team just because there's just so many minutes and I think weighing options, particularly folks that are at the like scholarship level players, I think they'd rather take their chances elsewhere, get the guaranteed scholarship, and then just get some NIL on the side. Like I said, you have, is it nine scholarships in total or 13 scholarships? 13. 13 yeah. scholarships, yeah. I mean, I, I think you could find 13 scholarship players without having to extrapolate into the NIL Monday. I, I, like I said, I think that would play more into football than it would basketball since there's just or, so many more players. Honestly, baseball could, <laughs> could yeah. very much. I'd say uh, a lot of sports other than basketball, the- like any larger than a team larger than five. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking more of it's the teams that don't give full players. scholarships. Sure. You know, uh, 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 <laughs> if Carolina really wants to become a field hockey juggernaut, <laughs> just load that team up with NIL deals. Uh, we'll never lose again. I mean, look what Aaron Madsen's already soccer. Got. So, I know Aaron Madsen's just taking all the money, <laughs> all the money in, the, in that space. But I don't know. That's a very interesting thought, and it would take a lot of uh, coordination uh, from boosters in order to make that happen. But I have seen, like, the Michigan money cannon do some wild things. <laughs> so I don't – I wouldn't put it past, like, Michigan could probably pull something like that off. Um, who else has weird fans? Texas A&M could probably pull that off. Um, it could happen. All right, before we move on, were we going to talk about uh, Florida State? Uh, I was actually about to segue into Clemson and Florida State. I think we should just talk about them together. I think that's fine. Definitely. Go for it. Um, so Clemson. Or I'll, I'll do this. Uh, Clemson uh, win 79-77. Florida State win uh, 94-74. I was a couple days old when I found out Little John is smaller than Cameron. Little John's tiny. It's very small. This is the renovated after they yeah. made the renovations. It's still small. Apparently. Wow. So yeah, I figured that out because someone posted like the stats on the on the attendance that happened at the game. Um, so it's even smaller than Cameron is. But that's always been an environment. It seems like it's like Atlanta. Um, it's like even I would say Wake Forest at some time or like when it's on. It's it's a it's a dangerous environment. Uh, for a, a road team to come into. Um, but it was another game we kind of scraped it out. Um, it was a scrappy game, but came out with a win. I will say, props to Caleb Love on his last couple possession effort there. When he had the ball at the top of the key on that last drive, I was yelling, please pass the ball. <laughs> no, he's going to shoot it. And... And maybe an angel came down from the heavens. Maybe he's developing, <laughs> but he made a classic Carolina point guard play, and we won the game. So, 
Props apparently he was supposed to take the layup. Yeah, he, he probably was. was yeah. yeah. But uh, he made the right decision. So, you know, some development there being observed. Also, Brady made up for his bunny that he missed earlier in the game. Yeah, I. it's so frustrating as a as a fan watching because the offense at its best runs best when Caleb's running the point. Like when Caleb is fire, firing on all cylinders, it's the best. Like it's awesome. Uh, but also, it's a little bit kind of not at its not so best uh, when Caleb's running the point. It's just the variance is so high. The variance is ridiculously high. Um, but you can't deny that ceiling. And that's what keeps drawing me back every single time one of these weird plays happens. That variant or that, that ceiling just makes me think. But if you just put the ball in his hands, maybe something good will happen. And it's happening with more regularity this season than it did last. Um, I don't know. It's I, it's frustrating as a fan. I just think the biggest thing is that in games, it's more so when we're losing, but there will be you know a, a two, three possession stretch where we have some bad offense, and then you can just see him get the ball, and nobody else is on the court. He's taking it to the rim or pulling up for three. And most of the time when things are already starting to go downhill, it's full they kind of kind of just snowball a little bit more, you know. Everybody's off. But like you said, when he's on, when he's on, when we're playing well, when he makes a couple passes and then he scores when when it's within the flow of the offense, we're, that's when we can beat any team in the country. Oh yeah, it's very much me playing basketball. Like when 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 I am out there and my team stops scoring, it's very much all right. <laughs> F it, I'm just gonna chuck it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna start pulling and, up from anywhere. I mean, that's interesting. Like with this, like for a sports psychology perspective, is um, you know, for me, I would be the person to start out a game. I would set up extremely easy plays that are highly likely to get baskets. I just want to see the bat, the ball go through the basket, and that's going to get my confidence up, and then everything else comes with that. But it almost seems like it's the opposite. Like he has to shoot a three to start the game to get his barometer, and it's either going to make or break the team. <laughs> I I think that's interesting that you say um, call some call some plays because I have noticed as the year has gone on, we have been calling more stuff. Um, it's not nearly as much freelance as it was. Like, I don't, this is just me remembering. I didn't like sit there and count possessions, um, like a good nerd would, but earlier in the season, it felt like about 50, 50 freelance to, to something called, um, it's the pendulum has swung all the way into something called, um, what I like about what how Hubert calls these games is if something's working, he sticks to it. Like, I've been really annoying on Twitter about the Spain pick and roll. But when we use it, it works. We get to the line or we score <laughs> every single time. So, I don't know. I I am watching the evolution as, of Hubert Davis as a coach. And I'm enjoying it so far. It's year one. I'm just having a good time. I'm vibing. Yeah, well, moving on, do you guys have anything else to say about the Clemson game? Nope. Well, and then also, like I said, we go to how frustrating the game like Clemson is, then we get to Florida State where we're at home and we just can't miss. 
absolutely can't miss and demolish Florida State by 20. Yeah. I I mean, great game for confidence. I, I mean, I think we can't really take anything from it because yeah. Florida State's not a good team this year. And they're playing without hurt. three starters. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, good for everybody getting to play. But I think at the end of that game, you do see why why the bench players do not play more. We were up, what, 38 and then end up winning by 20 and they played the yeah. last five minutes of the game, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. I, you know, that's kind of like a, a game tape from a bad loss. Mm-hmm. You're just – you, maybe you burn it because it doesn't doesn't really affect how the rest of our games are going to go, I don't think. I think Just the biggest takeaway I had, I mean, or at least the thing that I had going into it, I was just worried that Florida State's one of those teams, they're, they're extremely long, and uh, Leonard's always going to have them playing really good defense. And Carolina has struggled against really good defensive teams who are athletic. And even as hurt as they are, Florida, team, Florida State team still had a lot of athletic players on there. Um, we just were making our shots uh, at a very high clip and just outwitted it. So I was glad to see that they did outplay past the, the defense of, uh, that they gave and, and things like that. Um, so that was just the biggest concern I had going into the game. I do think that it's interesting that the, um, the teams that extend their pressure – against us that like get out into the into passing lanes and just like hard deny are having more success against us than pack line teams just an observation yeah i'm not sure what to take from that i don't know if that's a just this team thing or something about scheme the the Um, four out one in because pack lines nothing if you're hitting your shots from outside i mean that might be it um I speaking of, I was expecting us to run a lot of five out stuff um, coming into the season, just because. Um, and I'm about to get in my Roy Williams soapbox a little bit. Um, but last season with Dayron, we ran what when he was in the game, it was almost exclu- never mind. I'm not going to say that we ran a bunch of five out stuff when Dayron was in the game, just putting him at the top of the key, and he was just Nikola Jokic out there. Is just distributing, and he was really good at it. Um, and maybe we just don't have a big that's good enough at distributing to do that. Um, but it was some of the prettiest offense that we had last year. And I, I expected a little bit more of that style of offense, and we aren't getting it as much. I was also expecting a little more continuity ball screen, and we aren't getting a lot of that either. We're getting a little bit of it, but not that much. Um and now I pull myself out of a nerd hole. We can move on from there. A big. I, I was also glad that particularly Don Trez was able to see a lot of a burn for this game, uh, getting some a lot of minutes, and he did really well in those minutes. Um, and so while it's been uh, a transition with losing Dawson for the rest of the season, I don't know if we've officially addressed that. We lost Dawson officially due to the family issues, and like I said, with Anthony being out as well. Now Hubert's forced to go down the bench and put these other players in and give them minutes. So um, I think a lot of people have been clamoring to have Dontrez get more time just because of his pure athleticism. Because um, we have the shooting. We just need an athletic guy that can go get rebounds, get high-percentage shots, it's doing those little things because everything else is already covered. Um, so that yep. was exciting to see. But 
again, it just goes back to the Jackal and Hyde that this team really is. They're consistently inconsistent. Um, to where I put up a stat. I found a stat on Twitter that I shared with the uh, the pod group. I don't, uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, Ryan. There's a guy on Twitter, Eric Haslam at Haslam Metrics, who does a model for basically like volatility or erraticness in college basketball teams based upon their a combination of their offensive and defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. UNC this season has eight. Uh, it was almost nine with. Um, uh, the Michigan game almost put it at nine um, as they're now the third most erratic team in college basketball. What, and that's defined by having a almost nine performances where their efficiency was either minus 30 or plus 30. Mm-hmm. So. Efficiency being like a points per or points per hundred possessions uh, versus the other teams points per hundred possessions. Yeah. That's just insane to me. Yeah, it's been a weird season, y'all. <laughs> it's been really strange. Um, so coming up, we have Pitt, um, hopefully today, as you're listening to this, depending on if I get this edit done, um, followed by Virginia Tech on Saturday. Uh, so Pitt, I'll call it a can't lose. Uh, Mich- Virginia Tech, that is a must win. Um and then Louisville on Monday, which is another can't lose, uh, especially at home. So that's what we have coming up. Uh, do y'all have any thoughts about those games? I, I mean, I think we play the Virginia Tech at home, correct? No, it's, it's in Blasburg. Okay. That's well, Castle, I'm, scared. Which is smaller, I'm scared about yeah. that game. They're um, on fire. They've, they've won, won what, six the last in a row, six. right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I think it was a close game, maybe against them last time, or no, yeah, I mean, we did not blow it away like we needed to. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with what you said. Two can't lose games, and a third one that we—they're all can't lose, but <laughs> the VT game would help if we won it. So yeah, it would help a lot. I I still don't think it's the end of the world if we lose against Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Um, according to bracket matrix, uh, which takes all the brackets and puts them into one, um, we are in like 94 out of 120 some, uh, brackets, which is pretty good. They have us as a 10 and a half seed. So on the 11 line. So as of right now, I feel pretty good that we're in, um, we just can't embarrass ourselves anymore, which, huh. We'll see how that goes. Super Bowl. The final game of the NFL season. What a sad It's kind day. of boring. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> it's a little bit Not boring. That I love that show. halftime show. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might not have gotten a Tupac hologram, but we did get an Anderson Pop cameo. Listen, I was so hyped for that <laughs> when I saw his drum set. So I saw I saw Anderson Pack at um at Cat's Cradle in 2014 uh, <laughs> when I was a, a little baby freshman. Me, uh, our friend Mo, and our other friend Jake. We all I, I think we all bought tickets separately uh, to go see the show. Um, and he just happened to be the opening act, and 
he was incredible and i was like this dude is going places um and now here we are eight years later yeah the halftime show was awesome but uh yeah blocking and tackling it matters mm-hmm. you know who i'm happy i'm not i'm not i'm happy i'm not eli apple or quentin spain today <laughs> i feel so bad for odell yeah I'm, I'm glad he scored early on yeah but yeah I, non-contact he goes down you know exactly what that was and but hey he's a super bowl champion he, i he, really wish we had aaron here yeah i was about to say <laughs> apparently he was the problem at the browns but it doesn't seem that way with the rams <laughs> Just doesn't seem that way. I think that statement might might segue well into the the next uh, subject that we have about NBA trades. But well, I, I want to. I do want to say one thing. Please go watch that Matthew Stafford uh, no look pass again. It's awesome. It's so cool. If you watch like right before he throws the ball, when he's looking, he's trying to look. Um, I was gonna say Von Bell. Is that his name? Um. Trying to look him off to get Cooper Cup to come on that over route. And he does this little half hitch and it makes the defender commit. And then he just slings it right behind him. It's so cool. Um, I'm never going to say anything that complimentary about how cool Matthew Ford is ever again. This is the that, one time. That drive is, is one of the best drives in Super Bowl history. I mean, in a in a game that isn't very, that wasn't very um, climactic, that drive was great. Like, it was called great. It was executed well. Like, I can see why uh, Lions fans love that dude, honestly. I honestly feel like the Super Bowl was a little bit less exciting because from the second week of the playoffs on, those two weeks, that was some of the best football we've, we've seen in the playoffs ever. Ever. So many close games, so many last-second field goals. And then, you know, what was a good Super Bowl? It came down to a late – a couple late drives in the fourth quarter. It was just a disappointment because nobody walked it off. Or <laughs> we just had one no look pass and set up a game winning <laughs> touchdown. But you know, yeah. But congratulations. I mean, it was fitting that Aaron Donald got basically the, the ceiling tackle, though. Yeah, I hope he I mean, retires. Go be happy he might, somewhere. I mean, solidify. He's, he's definitely one of the, the greatest, probably defensive player in football. He might be one of the greatest football players of this era. Oh, absolutely. I think easily. Yeah. yeah. He gets double team like every play. <laughs> it didn't and he's matter. still getting sacks. <laughs> so, I mean. There was one and, play. What Aaron Donald does to guards is very mean. He just pushed this one dude like a sled <laughs> into um into Joe Burrow's lap and got him. And I think the Bengals with Joe Burrow, they're, they're, Joe's already elevated him to that status where he's that one of those quarterbacks where if, you have them under center, you're going to have a chance. Um, they have like $60 million in cap space this uh, summer. They have a lot of players in free, free agency, but they can basically re-sign their roster um, if they want to or go for other stuff. So I think they'll be just fine. Um, but now all, we can all claim our teams again and say we're, it's, it's our year. Huh? Who's you? We can be, we can begin <laughs> we, can, we can begin the five stages of grief all over again. Ain't nobody's here in Charlotte. That is not happening. <laughs> I mean, 
All My right. team beat the Super Bowl champions. They had to give up three t- takeaways uh, and a lucky field goal and then beat the other two teams in the championship Sunday. So I'm hoping my team makes some changes. It's still hard to believe you lose a game when you sack the other team's quarterback nine times. Nine times, yeah. NFL playoff record, yeah. I am a big believer in sack margin. That is wild. (laughs) It's wild. All right, uh, yeah, let's get to the NBA uh, trade deadline. Let's start with the big one. Um, Y'all know. Ben Simmons to the Nets, James Harden to the Sixers. Uh, Maury was right? Question mark. Um, that makes me feel weird. But yeah, um, this is a big day for people who don't want to do things. Um, having justification for not wanting to, to just not doing the things you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, and getting and getting paid for not doing them. Big I day. Mean. Love that for us. <laughs> I mean, it, it will remain to be seen um, what kind of development Ben's done in this time off, or I said, if, he, if anything does change. I do feel like a facilitator like Ben Simmons playing alongside KD, um, I think that is a really nice combo that I'd be, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, I, don't, I don't know how Maury gave up so much. Just to get James Harden. I don't. I think the Nets actually won that trade, to be honest. Um, but who knows? I don't think that was Daryl Morey's best trade. You don't. Even if it meant getting rid of someone who, like dead weight to him, at least in Ben Simmons. But you got James Harden. Uh, but James Harden. This is like his third team now, and. He's like he's starting to get in like that Russell Westbrook territory. No, he's he, good. no, he's not. But no, not, don't not in terms do of that. Don't not do not that, not man. not on the court, but um, what this whole stuff coming out with him? He, he's basically behind the scenes screaming to be traded. Why do you want to be traded from Brooklyn? I mean, I, I granted you got the Kyrie stuff going on right there, but you're playing with KD again. I would say at this point, Brooklyn ceiling is much better than the Sixers. Um. I mean, I just, it seems like more and more there's some locker room issues with James Harden. Not necessarily his play, but teammate issues. Um, And so is it worth getting, you might get some extra play in the scoring part, but is it worth all the stuff behind the scenes? Depends on if they win a championship this year. I think that's what I think that's what it's going to come down to. Honestly, yeah. how many? Like I said, years I, I still think the, the Bucks. I still think the Bucks are a better team than Sixers. I think Brooklyn can beat the Sixers in a seven-game series. I don't think Brooklyn can, but I think the Bucks could. Mm-hmm. I think so, the Bucks. I mean, when you lose Seth Curry, when you gave up as many players and picks as they did for James Harden, I don't know. I also like how we're just kind of pretending that the the Bulls and the Cavs don't exist. I, I think that's <laughs> I think that's the, the right thing to do. No one cares. No one cares about the Bulls and the Cavs. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I do like Karis LeVert on the Cavs. I think that is a really good option. I mean, I think he's, I believe he's still getting over his injury that he sustained, but I think that's a good piece to put on Cleveland. I I do think. Uh... Not to knock the Bulls, they're having a good season, but you know, 
Do they have anybody that's done it in the playoffs before? DeMar DeRozan hasn't really. Yeah. He's uh, playing well so right now, but it's a whole nother game in playoff time, so it remains to be seen. Um, then Dallas, uh, all day long on the deadline day, Mavericks Twitter's like, do something, make a trade, do something. We Why are we just sitting around doing nothing when all these deals are going on? And they made a deal all right. <laughs> they traded Chris Porzingis to the Wizards for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. How do you feel about that, honestly? I don't feel great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it remains to be seen. Uh, Davis Bertans is rated to have one of the worst or least team-friendly contracts in the league based upon his – I think he's averaging five points a game this year. He's on a $15 million contract that's going to be bumped up to $18 million by the end of his deal. Um, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie got his his deal, but it's coming off an ACL injury. So he had, and he can't. Yeah, he's been vocal that he came back earlier than he should have, and so his efficiency suffered from it. Just not giving himself enough time to recover. That I trust. I'm not worried about injury issues, and so if anything, I, that's at least gone. Where even with Dinwiddie's ACL stuff, it was just so frustrating at times that KP was just so on and off. Like, I don't even think he played, I don't know, I, they had the stat, I don't know if he even played two-thirds of Dallas's games in his time there. Um, when on the court, and then when he did make it on the court, it was so inconsistent. He had some stretches here and there, but was it even worth it at that point with all the intangibles that he brought? Um, if anything, I think this gives Dallas potentially more trade pieces if they're trying to make bigger deals in the summer, um, just trying to get money together. So I'm hoping they kind of play up to standard with their contracts. Um, so that if they, if it's still not a fit, perhaps they look at other deals later on. I do like the uh, Spencer Dinwiddie in the sense where he's a shot creator for himself. Um, Luca needed that, I think. Someone because Chris Stapps had to be set up for his own shot. He really couldn't create his own shot unless it was just shooting over people. Um, where someone like Spencer Dinwiddie can get past defenders, they can get to the rim, things like that. We have an announcement. After the Duke game, we are going to try to do a little Twitter space. So after the Duke game on... I will give you the date, March 5th, like y'all don't know when it is. After the Duke game, um, keep an eye out on Twitter. We're going to jump into Twitter space to talk about it live. Um, undecided on if that's going to go up onto the podcast feed. Right now, I'm leaning no, but we will see. But I wanted to put that on y'all's radar. Radar, radar. good lord. Where am I from? <laughs> Just win, baby, win. <laughs> so, uh, keep an eye out on that um but we need to get out of here um before this service kicks us out of here so ryan james lee thank you so much for joining us on this podcast at leave it to me on twitter that's l-e-e it to me uh, <laughs> <laughs> um do you have any parting words for us before we get out of here 
No, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, it's fun to sit down and, and talk sports with some with some diehard Tar Heels and and marching Tar Heels of the past. Uh, but um, yeah, I appreciate coming on and can't wait to uh, tweet at you guys uh, <laughs> as the season continues. Awesome. All right, y'all. We will be back uh, sometime next week. Um, hopefully with. David and Aaron. We'll see. We'll see what they're up to this week. I'll talk to y'all later.